0: Whitney Adams on the show, hello, how
1: are you? Hello, nice I'm great. Nice to see you. Excellent to see you.
0: So you're visiting New York, but you're based in LA. That is true. And But you used to live here.
1: I did. I really, I, I thought that New York was going to be home for forever, and then it just wasn't at a certain point. <laughs> I got a little burnout and decided to make a kind of spontaneous move to Los Angeles and I've been there for seven years, which is insane. I never thought that I would live in LA or live there for longer than a handful of months. So I'm loving it, but I, I try to get back to New York once a year. I miss it. Um, I just like walking around and and you know being in the city. Um, it feels good, it feels really good.
0: But you had a
1: theater background. Yeah, that's what brought me here originally. I was uh, born and raised in Kentucky and always dreamed of, you know, bright lights, big city, Broadway. And I moved here. I lived here throughout college. I went to school in Ithaca College upstate, but I would come down to New York during the summers because I didn't really want to go back to Kentucky. Uh, (laughs) and And then I moved here right after college. And just that was my dream always was to live here. And did a lot of off-off-Broadway theater and worked in bars and restaurants. And I was even a real estate agent. I was a dog walker. I did lots of different things. Dog walking. Good the... job, bad job. Oh I my see God. these people. It seemed like it was going to be fun because I love dogs. But then, you know, this was maybe 2002. There was some record heat. It was really, really hot summer. And... I just I quit after about a month. I couldn't take it because you're just outside for eight hours a day walking around different dogs. And
0: it's a lot of bathroom breaks uh, for yeah, you, for them. For it, yeah. There's a lot of finding places a to lot, go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're out. You, is the Starbucks going to be, you welcome me? Right. You know, with I, all do these I tie dogs? Up the
1: dogs. But actually, I, I only had about one dog uh, at a time. Oh, okay. So you weren't one of, of
0: those people with like the eight dogs.
1: Right. I had maybe two at the most. A and, little more civilized. Right. So a lot of people thought that they were my dogs. That's your dog. Yeah. yeah. And so I would just pretend like it was. Did
0: people come up and talk to you a lot then? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I like your dog. I
1: look kind of normal, I guess. Some dog walkers, they've got the fanny pack and they've got like six dogs and they, they have a look yeah. about them. And I was just a college kid just, you know, trying to make some cash, so... That's interesting. I could go though. along with it. I liked pretending.
0: Because sometimes I have prejudice against people with dogs because I'm like, wow, that's a very expensive accessory that you're walking around New York. <laughs> this is the way I look at it, you know? But maybe it's actually not their accessory.
1: Exactly. Don't judge. Yeah. Let so me. that's
0: a whole other world. Huh? Yeah. Well, learn something now. So I know. at some point, though, at early point. <laughs> on, 2001 ish, <2001-ish>, you were <laughs> in Italy.
1: Well, yeah. The first time I went to Italy was in 2001. And I went with my best, one of my best friends from college. Uh, Stephanie Castellano and her family's from Sorrento. So we went there and I just fell in love with everything about it. I thought the Amalfi Coast was just maybe the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. Um, and I felt at home in Italy. And That's I didn't go lemon back. Lemon country, right? Lemon. Lemoncello. Like, yeah, lemoncello. I remember sitting on the beach and just drinking lemoncello on ice all afternoon. Um, because, you know, I was like 19 and I thought that was, um, the cool thing to do. It's going to come back one day. Yeah. (laughs) You know, Danny DeVito makes a limoncello now. So I guess it's I don't know if that makes it cool.
0: <laughs> he seems cool to me. Okay, yeah, I don't he's, know. He's, I like taxi. Um, makes sense. Yellow taxi. Yellow lemon. Oh yeah, you know? it's
1: always sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, is that what they say? A taxi? Well, no, no, no. He's on, and it's always sunny in oh, Philadelphia. Oh, there's now. such a thing. Oh, yes, okay, there's sorry. A show. So are it kind you, of is full circle. For, any for references Danny.
0: that are 20 years old, I'll pick up on right oh, okay. away. Current things, however. <laughs> Might be a tape you, delay. You
1: can't talk about Saved by the Bell like <laughs> ad nauseum. Oh, I can I talk could. about oh, Saved by oh, the Bell. Oh my God, because was that like, more than 20 years time ago? Oh, I'm. So I, old. I've
0: actually waited on both Slater and <gasps> Kelly Kapowski. Really? Yeah, and Kelly they Kapowski. are both super nice. I have not met not them not together though, separately. But
1: oh. I met uh, Jesse Spano.
0: Oh, well, that's really cool. Yeah. She was the when drug was... user. She popped the pills.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think she's on Dancing with the Stars right now. Anyway, moving right along.
0: Well, Slater was on Dancing with the Stars oh. for a while. So it's And like then a thing. I was like, oh, dude, congrats. Yeah. He was drinking Crystal when I saw him. He's living a good life.
1: Oh, okay. Good for I him. I mean,
0: at that moment, I guess. Right. So LA, what's that like?
1: LA, I think it's pretty great. Yeah. It's... Um, it's good vibes and great people, great little food and wine community and, and cocktails, of course, that's really the big thing in LA. And I live on the East side of LA, which,
0: what does that mean for someone so, who's on east on the of the East side of Manhattan? Doesn't know.
1: Right. Um, East of Hollywood, uh, just West of downtown. Um, anything really East of Hollywood or West Hollywood is maybe considered the East side. Um, I live in basically the Williamsburg of Los Angeles, which is Echo Park.
0: So you're a cool person.
1: Exactly. You're, uh,
0: you're yeah. one of these hipsters.
1: Yeah, you know. And, Do they
0: have that out there? Is that a thing?
1: Oh, it's definitely a thing.
0: I really don't know. I'm oh, asking. Oh,
1: my goodness. Yes. it's. There's lots of beards, lots of irony, lots of girls in high-waisted mom jeans. And, you know, it's... There's a lot of hipsters. A
0: lot of irony, not a lot of ironing.
1: Irony, right. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, but I, um, but it's great. I, I make fun of it, but it's still pretty fantastic. And I, I love that neighborhood. And there's a lot of great little restaurants popping up. It's really, I feel like in the past year, just just in 2013, there really is this, um, this energy and this excitement about food culture in Los Angeles and the wine is catching up-ish. I think we still have a long way to go. But, but you've worked at some cool places on the wine side. Yeah. I, uh, I'm i currently um, at Taroni, which is an Italian restaurant in West Hollywood. We just opened up a location in downtown uh, L.A. on Spring Street. And that's a exclusively an entirely Italian list. And Max Stefanelli's one of the partners and owners, and he loves wine uh and really wanted to put together a, a crew of of psalms uh from varying backgrounds and some of us work um in different fields well we all work in wine but we're not all full-time psalms i work i've been working in retail for the past three and a half years so that, so my um my restaurant um my time in the restaurant is part-time um and but that's a great li- I mean there's some wonderful Italian wines on that list. And that's what I that's how I've learned about wine to begin with is through is through Italy, Italian food, Italian culture. And so Italian wine is my first love. So it's nice to be back on the floor and working with those wines. But I also love retail. Uh, it's a it's a different experience of how to interact with customers and I like having both of those experiences within my week because retail is really about I mean, you have regulars at the restaurant, but in retail, you really have regulars that you see sometimes daily, every other day, and you get to know their palates really well. And you get to talk with them, you know, week after week and see what they liked and what they didn't like. And, um, but it isn't an immediate response at the restaurant, you get to interact with them and know exactly what they're thinking about the wine right away and also do some food and, food and wine pairings, which is always fun. Um, so yeah, Domain LA is where I've where I've spent most of my time the past the past handful of years.
0: That's the retail shop. Yeah. Because I hear a lot of good things about that one.
1: Yeah, it's a great wine shop. And I honestly, if I that might be one of the only places I would shop, even if I didn't work there. I heard about Jill Bernheimer, who's the owner of the wine shop, when I was in Italy. Um, traveling around, backpacking around for a few months in 2009, and I heard this. So you went back. I went back. Uh, I've, I've been back many times now, but I went back again in 2009 for a more extended period of time to just go on a little bit of a journey. I was, I, I stopped acting and really wanted to pursue food and wine as a career, and uh, felt like this was going to be a chance to really just go for it. And learn and have a little bit of time off before I kind of dove head for- headfirst into, into the whole thing, so I when I was in Italy traveling around, I was still kind of connected on Twitter and writing a blog and and I heard about this lady that was opening up this wine shop in Hollywood. It just seemed super cool, and I loved that there was a woman opening up a wine shop and I was like, I need to work for her. I need That's where I'm going to work. When I get back to LA, that's the only place I'm going to apply for a job. And I did. And that's, you know, I started working there right when I got back. It's been great. It's its a great way to learn about um, more wines than your comfort zone. I was just kind of stuck in Italy and hadn't really been exposed to a lot of French wines, German wines, Spanish, cool California stuff. And its it's been such a learning experience to be able to taste with winemakers and, and importers and distributors and, and really feel like I'm a part of the community. I feel like sometimes in a restaurant environment, you can get a little isolated and you know, you're only working with the wines on your list and maybe it's just Italian or whatever and dealing with those distributors. And um, so I've really enjoyed um, the retail experience
0: because one of the cool things about you is you have worked in different aspects of the business and you and in different ways of um kind of media as well uh, around wine
1: yeah i've always i think because i come from an acting background you know i like to express myself in different artistic ways and i started my blog in 2009 it's called brunellos have more fun and
0: which i always thought was a great name
1: Thank you very much. In Italy, though, they they read it and they think it's Brunello shave morfan. Like, no, we're not shaving anything. It's <laughs> because <laughs> technically it would be Brunelli,
0: but oh, right, okay. whatever.
1: Okay. Um, I you know my grammar isn't very um, isn't correct. I guess. And then in the, the Italian sense, other
0: people in Montalcino are upset that Brunelli, the Brunello <laughs> <Right>. producer, <laughs> yeah, gets so all the credit. attention. <laughs> right. So yeah.
1: it's, uh, nobody wins. So. Uh, so so right, and I love taking pictures ever since I was a kid because they're
0: great pictures. You do a great job. Thank with that. you very
1: much. I I really enjoy it, and I really I wanted to create a blog where you know the photos are beautiful and it's engaging and it really kind of pulls you into into the story. And I know that people can people like to just scroll and not necessarily. Uh, read a lot these days. So in blog world, in the blog culture, you just you want to have beautiful, captivating photos. And uh and the more I've I've continued writing for the blog, the more I've found my voice and really just I'm I'm it's like I'm talking to a friend really now. Um so I wouldn't it wasn't call that it way like when journalism. You started. <laughs> no I when I first started I really I would spend a lot of time putting the post together and really um do research. And not that I don't do research now, but now it's just a little bit like, this is what I'm drinking. This is what I'm excited about. Uh, this is who I think is great in the, in the wine community. Um, this is this thing I did the other week. And when I first started, and I love reading some of those posts, looking back on my trip. I'm glad that it was basically just a journal for myself, really, because nobody was reading it in the beginning. And it's nice to go back and look at some of those winemaker visits and, and my different little adventures in Italy. Um, Because I was very detailed. (laughs) Maybe I'm not so detailed anymore. And I haven't even really been able to write as much anymore. Um, Which makes me kind of sad. But But speaking of that, one of the things you're
0: really good at is setting a mood in a post, I think. In terms of feelings. Thank you. You know, it's like the picture and the words they set like a thing. A tone. Yeah. A vibe. This feels like evening. This feels like sunny Big Sur. This feels like... You know, and it's it's cool because it's also the whole... Um, blog is set up very aesthetically uh it's inviting
1: thank you I liked that's that was my point so hopefully I'm glad that's wor- that's working out for me <laughs> um yeah and i also I think part of what I love about wine is just contextual and I love i I want my readers and I want to share what my experience was and what it felt like to drink the wine and I try to capture that in the photos and because I think that 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 can visually, it can express more than maybe a tasting note would.
0: You also have a really cool podcast that you've done for a very long time. And I'm a big fan of podcasts in general. And how did that get started? And <laughs>
1: Competition. No,
0: it's, no, I, I no, know it's fine. Yours was first. So I'm, I'm the interloper, but I mean, how did it get started? What, what was it like?
1: I, well, one of my, one of my best friends, joy, she has a, a wildly successful blog called joy, the baker. She started a, 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 she wanted to start a, a media network called Home Fries, and she wanted to have a great lineup of podcasts, and eventually, um, you know, produce television shows and video segments and things like that, which they've started to do. And only
0: about breakfast, though.
1: Only about breakfast. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so you have a podcast about eggs. Yeah, yeah. You're going to do mimosas.
0: <laughs> you are scrambled today. Right today, you're sunny side up.
1: That could get in. Uh, well, that would be a little limited you could get crazy with it. I mean, you could probably get like a year worth of content on eggs.
0: There's a lot of things Maybe. you could do with bread too. I mean, and, and bread, you know, seven yeah. grain, whole wheat, yeah. toasted. <laughs> There's a lot of ways you can go.
1: Yeah. So, um, they approached me about doing a podcast and I was, I had really been thinking about it. I love talking. So that's a natural fit. And I, but I didn't want to do it alone. And my best friend, Christina Pickard or Picard. She's kind of switched it up when she moved to London. Was she a Star
0: Trek: The Next Generation fan? <laughs> <No.
1: laughs> I made fun of her when she changed it. She's like, "Well, everybody in London calls it Picard anyway, and it just sounds better." I hate Picard. Like, okay, fine, just do it. Do you? Do you? Whatever you want to do. Uh, so she was living in London, and what's so funny is that we both we went to acting school together, and we both ended up in wine. And she was working. Oh, what is that place called in London? It's this giant wine museum. Maybe oh, a- oh, I
0: think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's like Vinopolis. Vinopolis. Yeah,
1: She worked there. And uh, anyway, she now lives in Perth. And she was working with... I think uh, they call it Perth. What Perth? It? Oh, no, really? I'm just, I'm just <laughs> keeping the peas, Right. Words and... she, um She was working with uh Le Cove uh, de Prenn for a little while. And she... I was like, Christina, if I'm going to have a co-host, it's going to be you. Do you want to do it? So we started it uh, back in 2011, 2011, I believe. And then about a year after that, we decided to go off on our own and off of that network and just do our own thing. And we got a new site, uh, thecrushpodcast.com. And yeah, and it's it's mainly it's pretty conversational. We, sometimes we have guests. Uh, sometimes we have little quick fire interviews with different people. And um, it's long form though. It's an hour. Yeah, and yeah. It's a we lot tried of good to make it. We tried to make it short in the beginning, but then I think we missed out on a lot of. We were trying to speed ourselves up too much, and a lot of what I think people liked to hear is the, our friendship and about you know just our our little back and forth banter
0: i think that really comes across like when i listen to it and also there's um an engagement with the audience that's pretty cool
1: yeah and i I feel like i just try to continue what i do with my blog i try to do with the podcast it's just like i'm talking to somebody that i know one of my good friends and and about something that i enjoy which is wine
0: one of the themes that goes through both is uh females working in the wine business I've, I've yes. heard it referred to in a blog a lot of ways, kind of sometimes as tips, sometimes as concerns, sometimes as wonderings, sometimes, you know, bigger questions that are debated. And then you did this really cool series on a psalm style for females and like yes. young uh, female sommeliers and how they dressed and what their tips were. Which was inspired pictures.
1: by your original.
0: Yeah, but it's like so different. Like my, <laughs> well, yeah. But... Mine is like Mr. Belvedere. like. <laughs> Today we will wear suspenders, because <laughs> they will be handy for you and your travels as a young man. Well, and it, then you're, I thought it was a
1: great post, and like, and it's it's good, it's it's cool to get a peek inside of somebody else's day to day. I I always love reading that kind of stuff. Like who who does that? New York Magazine with the what somebody ate all. What day? What somebody ate all day. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. I'm
0: really scared I'll get picked for that one time.
1: Since people actually <laughs> really know. Good, oh my God, you don't even want to know. Um, so yeah. And I thought, well, I, there's so many amazing female so- psalms around the country. I want to, I want to show them off and I want to know, you know, what their day is like and what it's like for them on the floor and what do they wear? What kind of shoes do they wear? Just cause I wanted to know, but maybe I thought other people would want to know too. And being a psalm myself, um, and because, you know, we're outnumbered. There's a lot of dudes.
0: Does it feel that way in LA? Cause in New York, yes. it almost feels the other way.
1: Well, that's. I think this is an exception because there's so many fantastic ladies right now, um, out there on the on the scene in New York, but in L.A. definitely. Because I refer to my house town. as
0: the Alamo quite often.
1: I'm like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, I'm like the last one. No, yeah, I'm, just, I'm kidding. There's plenty of accomplished people on both sides about New York, so I don't know. Is it? Yeah. It's not. No, that but way it,
1: but in L.A. Way? there's there's not that many women. I mean. Caroline Stein, there's Dana Farner at Cut.
0: Who you used to work with? Who for I a used while. to work
1: Yes. And she inspired me really in, in the beginning stages when I first moved to LA. And I just thought, hmm, who is this badass lady? Like rocking this list. And, you know, I I'd never really seen a female in that position before. And I would just ask her questions about like talk to me about Amarone or like, you know, when we were just sitting around in downtime during dinner service and she's still at cut and she's on the path to become a master sommelier. And I, you know, I respect her a lot. She's fantastic.
0: Was that kind of pivotal for you in the way that you want to be that for other people? Like you're like, you know, if I hadn't seen a female role model, I don't know if I would have gotten into wine. Let me put that out there for other people who might have the same experience happen to
1: them. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's ever really entered my brain. Um, I don't know if I've ever really wanted to be a role model. Uh, I, inspiration, sure. That'd be amazing if I could inspire anybody to, to do this. I think mainly is just to, I guess, inspire other possibilities in a career of wine and expand what that could be for people. And, you know, I don't think it's it just has to be in a restaurant day in and day out. I think you can really... Um, There's a lot of other possibilities now in media. I mean, clearly podcasts, blogs, as a writer. I mean, you've done all of these things as well. And um, on camera, uh, teaching, there's just, there's so many different ways to, to share your love of wine. And I've always been, you know, I would never want to be a fine dining sommelier. That intimidates me a lot. I I find my comfort zone in a much more casual setting and that's the way I talk about wine too. And cuz I still for in some ways I still feel like a little bit of an outsider and cuz I'm still really new to the business and I've only been doing this for about 5 or 6 years. So um and I I hope I hope not to lose that. I think it it helps me relate to um to readers, my readers and also customers and the way that I talk about wine. Is not so obtuse or abstract, or, or on the other hand, incredibly specific and just relatable.
0: It feels like you're a real person.
1: Well, thank you very much.
0: And you know, I think a lot of times when it's uh, a wine theme thing, whatever media that might take shape in, sometimes the wine so dominates that you don't hear the person voice. Right. You know, the the personality gets sucked out of who wakes up and brushes their teeth and puts on a dress or pants and thinks about that and what works and what doesn't work and how Mm -hmm. did we get here? And I'm at a tasting and what's that like? Not just like, Hey, I'm at a tasting and it's all about these wines, but what's the feeling of being at the tasting? Like who's here and what happens when you're at a tasting and Mm -hmm. how do I make that work with the rest of my life? And if I'm taking in two hours to do that, what does that mean for the rest of my week? And you know, you actually address these questions usually fairly head-on. It's not even, like, random or just, like, abstractly. Like, those are often parts of the content.
1: Right. Well, wine tastings, man, uh, those are – I wish that there should be some kind of reality television show about the life of a psalm. <laughs> because I think it'd be pretty funny. Um, you yeah, know, wine tastings can be a little overwhelming sometimes. Yeah, Christina and I on the podcast sometimes talk about our pet peeves, uh, our wine wines, we call them. And, yeah, tastings can be a little overwhelming. I just went to an epic uh, Louis Dresner or Farm Wine Imports tasting just yesterday. And so many amazing wines, but just so overwhelming, you know. How do you get through all that and, like, really retain information? And it's so hard to, to get to know a wine in that context. Um, but, it, but good on a basic level, I guess. And good to see people out in the community.
0: Cause there have been times where you kind of got behind the scenes and you learned what a pump over was and you yeah. tested for bricks. And...
1: Yeah. I, I've, I've worked harvest. I mean, very briefly for Bruno Dick and down in, um, Prignano Cilento in Southern Campania. And that was my first time being in a winery, you know, day to day and just learning how the, ba- like basic the process is just from picking the grapes, sorting the grapes, crushing the grapes. Um, And pump overs and, you know, that was, I'd say anybody that's starting out in wine, go work a harvest, even if it's just for a couple of weeks, you know, stock a winemaker that you really like and figure out how to go there and and work for them for free. You know, Um, that that was that's a great foundation for for my understanding of wine and for anybody's understanding of wine, I think.
0: So a lot of times in New York, I mean, you may not know this, but a lot of times people are like, you know, LA is kind of the new hip happening thing for restaurants. You know, I hear, I hear it pretty regularly, almost like once a week people are like, "Oh, really, dude, LA, you know, or, or the generalized, like things I hate about New York, like blog posts, like that will come out and be like, why you shouldn't move to New York? It seems to have been, become a a more regular theme in things like slate or, you know, online um, advice givers of all kinds, you know. People
1: are saying, don't move to New York, move to LA, which so what do you mean?
0: Anywhere else, but LA comes up a lot for oh, those okay. who might want the city thing, but yeah. not all the frustrations of yeah. expense and congestion, you know?
1: Exactly. That's one of the reasons why I've stayed and I have a, I have a great little bungalow and, you know, I think it's just a little bit more carefree. Of course, I definitely have my fair share of road rage and, you know, traffic is really annoying Um, I could gripe about things, but for the most part, it's a pretty great city to live in, uh, just, you know, quality of living day to day life being near mountains and hiking and the ocean and all sorts of other things. And the, the restaurant scene is becoming very exciting. Um, there's a lot of great new restaurants, um, opening up. Uh, I love Bestia downtown Alma was just named, you know, best new restaurant by Bon Appetit. And um, and a little great little place called Cortez and Echo Park that has an awesome, uh, very you know um, focused small little list wine list. But that's the thing is that there aren't that many great wine bars. Just a place to go sit at a bar, talk to a friend, have have some great wine. Something like Ten Bells. There isn't, you know, we don't have a lot of that. We have Covell, of course, which is which is great. And my buddies own that. And Matt Kaner's doing a great job there. And, but you know, we need other, we need other places. Once Lou, once Lou closed, um, everybody was devastated, but now he's going to be reopening some wine shops, but he still doesn't have a wine bar anymore. Total bummer. Um, so we need, there's some gaps to fill. I talk, Jill and I always talk about maybe opening up a wine bar or something, but I mean, somebody has got to do it. And, um, yeah, I feel like you, to get good wine, you really have to just go to a good restaurant. Um, and the lists are getting better. Definitely. They're getting better.
0: Cause I feel like I've heard you voice, um, a frustration that there is less of an ability to casually engage with really good wine. Like when you say, you know, it's really tough being a single diner at a fine dining restaurant because mm-hmm. they look at you strange and I just want yeah. to come in and try a couple different things and <laughs> yeah. not have full glasses and, you know, have everyone be like, oh, you're by yourself and you're drinking three full glasses of wine and right. I don't want to feel weird about it. Right. And it it sounds like, like to me, I'm like, well, 10 Bells is cool. Like why exactly. wouldn't, he, you know, like that kind of thing. We don't have
1: anything like that. I mean, Covell is really the only place where I could go and sit at the bar and, you know, there's no wine list or anything. It's just me talking with the guys saying, you know, what do you have open? Like, what's new? Can I just have a couple ounces of this or that or or whatever? Um, and that's awesome. But that's just about the only place I could do that. There aren't a lot of casual – like, wine is either way too important um, or, it's, or it's like wines that you'd see at the supermarket. There aren't that many places in between, which is exactly where I'd want to hover um, in my – wine drinking experience um yeah a lot of you know nicer restaurants the, they've they've got a lot of cult cabs I mean, we are in california so it's you, there's People a lot of that california. stuff happening uh i think some of the best wine lists are those at italian restaurants and ostria mozza has a fantastic list of course tironi i think has a great list and um and but i don't always want to go and spend a ton of money you know what i mean just want to go and have a couple great glasses of wine.
0: Does the driving factor into that? Like, yes, is it like, oh, hey, I don't know if I really want to have a wine bar because are people going to drive to my wine bar and then drive away after all the thing? Or uh, yeah. does it make more sense that they're going to make it a big occasion, drive to the big occasion, have the big occasion wine, and then leave?
1: Well, that uh, I mean, both happen. Um, it's it's sad to say that most people drink. And then drive, like all the time. And so I think living in LA long enough, you start to just kind of be like, oh, well, that's just what's going to happen. And people don't even think about it. I've I've started to get really, um, you know, I've tried to be a lot more careful. And so I, I use Uber a lot. I'm kind of obsessed with Uber, this app. Love it. And it's super easy to use. And it's cheaper than a cab. You can do like fair shares with your friends if they also have the app. And, you know, that's a great way just to not get yourself in some trouble. Because I have, I mean, I definitely, if I'm going out for a night with a bunch of wine peeps or, you know, some great new restaurant or something, I should not be driving afterwards. So, but that, that plays, that plays into it a bit. And I was just talking to some friends in LA, like, man, don't you miss New York? You could just hop in a cab or like get on the subway. You don't have to worry about driving. But I don't know if that necessarily makes people drink less in LA. <laughs> I think people still drink plenty.
0: One difference that so. I see in your Instagrams, uh, which I follow, is that there tend to be more movie stars involved in your nights out. You're like, oh, that's <laughs> the guy culture. from
1: Dude. <laughs> from Dude.
0: <laughs> you know, he's like in the thing with the person. It's always someone that's way too hip for me to realize, but you know. You yeah, there's cool.
1: there's a lot of celebrities. I've definitely seen my fair share uh, or served my fair share. Um, and, you always have to just think, you know what, this is a real person. But it's interesting to see what when do you what think their that palette after is? After like? you
0: come up and ask them for the autograph or yell at them or scream <laughs> or take their picture or before that?
1: Oh come
0: on. I'm just kidding. I, I play know you're, it so cool. I know you do. So cool. I've seen some sly over the shoulder Instagrams though. Like uh,
1: really Oh, no one's looking. I got it. Have I? I mean, most recently I went to Orson Winston, Joseph Centeno, who owns, is the chef owner of Baco Marcotte and Barma. He opened up a a small little spot called Orson Winston, and it's like Italian-Japanese. Very interesting. All chefs tasting, uh, tasting menu, uh, different tiers. And Gwyneth Paltrow was sitting at the table next to mine. And, you know, stuff like that happens. It's weird because sometimes I'll be watching a TV show and I'll go to work at Taroni and then that person's just right there at Taroni. It all, like, I'm trying to think of who it was recently. Um, oh, yeah, it'll be like Will Arnett or, uh, or something and I will have just seen their show. I just think only in LA. Will this happen?
0: Like as if they'd just gotten off the show. Right. And you're like, did you find the milk that you were looking for in the fridge? (laughs) Oh, that was actually two months ago that you found that. Okay.
1: you being a character. Okay, never mind. Yeah. So LA, LA is interesting.
0: Does Gwyneth Paltrow really have green eyes? I've always wondered this.
1: I don't know what her, I thought her eyes were blue.
0: Oh, okay. Because, uh, you know, the she, Coldplay song, Green Eyes. <laughs> green eyes. Is so that about her? I think. I, don't know. I always assume. I don't know. I mean, maybe he's thinking about himself. About envy? Maybe he's like, envy? I've got
1: green eyes, but, right, he loves you know. Himself.
0: Yeah, maybe. I don't know.
1: She's gorgeous. Is that true? Oh, yeah. I found that about She's Nicole fantastic. Kidman.
0: I never found her that amazing in. Uh, yeah, on screen. I thought oh, really? well, she's an attractive person. Yeah. And then I saw her in person and she lit it up. And I was like, Oh <laughs> she my god. Like a
1: porcelain doll lit from within. Oh,
0: it was insane. The whole room turned around.
1: Really? Yeah, no. Just was, that magnetic energy. I've
0: taken care of a few famous for their looks people. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously she, she's a talented actress too, but uh, you know, she was a standout in terms of, cause sometimes it's a little disappointing. Sometimes you're like, oh wow, I didn't realize your cheeks were like chipmunk sized. That's kind of too bad. You know right. what I
1: mean? Or the plastic surgery is very noticeable. Like, wait, what happened to your face? Right, I right. I don't know what's sometimes going on. Sometimes people ask me that. Right
0: now. Like, That's my new line Aww. when people are like, oh, nice nose. And I'm like, cause you know, it's wine that you're drinking. Oh. And I'm like, well, I've had a
1: lot of work done. <laughs> So clever you are always.
0: yeah. yeah. So, but, you know, one of the things is you were doing some pop-ups for a while, maybe trying to meet that need of what you didn't see in the restaurant community.
1: Yeah. Well, this was kind of right before these underground supper clubs and bars really got huge. Um, So I'd like to think that we were in before everybody else was trying to do it. But I had this little thing called On the Lamb food and beverage. And that was right when I got back from Italy, it was myself, my dear friend Joy, who I mentioned before, um, and our other best friend Rachel, who's a chef. And we we just thought, let's let's do something together. I'll do wine and beverages, you do desserts and you do main course, and let's do like let's like make bars out of somebody's house or do a dinner party in like a th- A vintage shop, or whatever. Um, We did lots of different stuff, and that was a lot of fun. But uh, at the same time, it was a lot of buzz, and it was people trying to get on the list, and it wasn't the most accessible thing ever. But it was, it was a lot of fun for us to do it. And
0: isn't that what Hollywood's about, though? Isn't that the whole idea? You know, go off. You want to be at my pop up Emmy party? You can be. Yeah,
1: you got to get on the list and have your people talk to our people and. (laughs) All that stuff. But yeah, but it, it it's, it's tough, man. You have, you're schlepping all over the place. You know, it was a lot of work for like no money, basically. Like once you've paid for all the, the wine and, and all the food costs and spent all this time like on decor and the menu and the oh, like maybe we made 50 bucks each or something. I don't know. But we did it because we loved it. So and then we stopped doing it when it was like, okay. This is this was a good ride. <laughs> we're done. Um, but yeah, that ha- that happens a lot in LA. That people, it's kind of becoming a little bit less less frequent now. But there's still some people out there doing it. These private, these elaborate private dinners. Because there was
0: big big press on the Ludo bites.
1: Yeah, Ludo bites. I which I saw. I was. I think what numbers were? I was six and eight, or I think I was six and eight. Because Domain LA has done the wine list for Ludo Bites for a while now. And around Ludo Bites 6.0, they wanted a psalm on the floor helping to sell the wine list. And that was a lot of fun. People go crazy for Ludo Lefebvre, like nuts. And some people have gone to every single one of the Ludo Bites. I think there's been 10 or something now. And now he has, of course, Twomek. He's back behind a back in a kitchen regularly now. And but yeah, I mean, people would do anything to get a reservation there, and it is a little bit of there's some hype there, you know.
0: Did you ever like, hey, uh, you want to get into Little Bites? Uh, I want to get into Days of Our Lives. You know, <laughs> did you ever uh, ask for a little? Uh... Oh man,
1: I wish I could have. Now, I mean, I would have been like, can I get on Prices Right? I right. want guaranteed contestant. Is right, some
0: girl just won a hundred thousand dollars like today. A hundred thousand really, that's a lot for the price. Man, I used to
1: love that show, and I really loved Wheel of Fortune.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I I was pretty good at it, ageless. I know, timeless. Really, they she's just lovely. Little petite little Vanna. Uh, I really, I'm kind of obsessed with game shows. This has nothing to do with wine, but I used to watch uh, them a lot. (laughs)
0: I don't anymore though. I don't know. I don't either. Reality TV took over or something. I don't, maybe I was yeah. cool with seeing regular people, or I I used to like it.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't even have cable, so basically, whatever's on Hulu is what I watch. Uh,
0: so okay, now you're doing a new shop. It's Bottle Stock, which yes! is totally cool, which
1: I'm so excited about.
0: And how did that get started? and What is it?
1: Okay, so Bottle Stock uh, BottleStockShop dot com. That is um, a wine accessory brand. So I about a year ago. I was sitting down with a notebook, just kind of thinking about my my five year plan, things I wanted to do, things I was interested in. And through working in retail as a buyer, there just wasn't that much stuff for me to fill the shelves in terms of accessories that I thought were like stylish and modern and um that you wanted to use. That I wanted to own myself. And there were a couple people doing some good cards, but for the most part, everything was just like really cheesy. And uh I thought, you know, I had some ideas for some different products. And I just thought, well, what if I made them and had a company and sold them? Like, is that crazy? And then I like did it, like wrote a business plan and like figured it out and, and just went for it. And that I launched it in May and I've been able to really create in a different way, which is great. And
0: when I look at the site, like I want all of that stuff. <gasps> Yay! I want like both the tie dye, but wine carrying bag and yeah. the leather one. Do you know
1: who just purchased the the very first? tie There's only four made, and I got my first order in. And I looked Went to the top see. Show? No, Jose it- Pastor. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, oh. he's been a big supporter. I'm gonna have to compliment him next time v- I see him. I know, right? I just saw him yesterday. He was at that yeah, the farm. Yeah, okay. yeah, and um, he hasn't. He wasn't carrying. He had just purchased it, so. Uh, but I think that'll look real good on him. That tie-dye. That tie-dye look. So yeah, I I wanted to create really, you know, cool stuff for, you know, a more modern, stylish, design-minded kind of drinker. A lot of my friends. I think about my friends when I think about the products that I want to make. And then I I collaborate with a lot of different really cool artists and designers and and makers and and people that I admire in LA. And whether it's on cards or illustrations or textiles. Uh, watercolor paintings, anything. And I just, I think about, you know, how can I apply something that I'm interested in to, to wine culture and whether that be tie-dyed leather or let's turn that into a cocktail napkin or, you know, printed papers. Oh, let's make that a wine wrap where you can, instead of chucking a bottle in a generic, just like a wine bag, you know, wrap it in some cool graphic paper.
0: The wraps are great. Thanks. The Alto Fragile one. Yes. That's my favorite one. That
1: came from, I think it was, it was maybe a, it was like a Colfondo Prosecco, I think. Uh, We got this case and I loved the design of the outside of it. And I took a picture of it. And like six to eight months later, I sent it to my designer and I was like, can we please turn this somehow into a wine wrap? And there it is (laughs) Alto Fragile. Um, And so, yeah. And I'm just, I'm excited to develop more products and keep it going. There's, I have so many ideas. And, you know, to collaborate with some bigger brands and, um, really make it, make it blow up.
0: Cause the corkscrews are cool too. Cause it's like, okay, you want an inexpensive corkscrew, but you'd still like to have some style on it.
1: Yeah. So you know? I'm just using a basic double hinge, like, you know, waiters. Uh, Which is what I tap. use all
0: the time. Yeah. Except yours has neat colors on it.
1: Mine's and... like blinged out a little bit. Yeah. Like let's let's take stuff like, you know, powder coat that you would put on a snazzy car or a guitar or something and put it on the handle of the corkscrew. Instant coolness. Instant cool factor. and Because you can get colors and stuff now, but they're pretty basic. And I kind of don't like the tone of some of the colors and some of the metallics are a little bit too intense. So I want to do something a little bit more more fresh feeling and and also sparkly. But right? it seems Why to really not?
0: fit into the Lady sum style idea. Yeah. Like, hey, yeah, we could do this boring or we could do this like with some with pizzazz. some flair. Yeah. Let's put
1: some flair into this. Yeah. And I I think a lot of like my readers and listeners are mostly women. And so of course my my shop um I have a lot of Mainly women, female customers, but I got some dudes rocking those, those pink and yellow corkscrews too. I've got some guys that love that. Yeah, but I, but it's, I think it's nice to just add something to the marketplace in terms of wine paraphernalia and wine accessories. There's, it's always nice to add something to a bottle of wine that you're going to, when you're gifting somebody and that's what I'm trying to do
0: was the production side difficult I mean yes I can imagine being like wow I'd I'd like a colorful corkscrew but how I wouldn't know who to even call well
1: I it took months of research of trying to find a person that would powder coat an, an item that small and you really have to mask so much because I'm buying them already completely manufactured and built together so if I was if I could go from the beginning stages and deal with a manufacturer before the pieces have been put together, I'd have a lot more freedom. But now I'm I'm taking a product that's already been built and then trying to do something to it. So I figured I talked to a couple of different production designers, friends of mine, and like you should just get the basic stainless steel corkscrew that's gonna be you're gonna be able to apply powder coat to that easily. And found this guy in like Inglewood who would do it for not like a crazy amount of money. And Yeah, it's been back and forth. I mean, it's, I feel like being a business owner and in what I'm doing, it's, you're kind of just always on people to like bring the product, like, like meet deadlines. I just feel like a nag most of the time, but you kind of have to be a hard ass about this stuff. (laughs) I've I've come to learn, I've, 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 I've come to find that you need to really um, be assertive, which I kind of don't have any problem doing. So, yeah, got to be the boss lady. But it's it's there's a lot of research involved. I mean, it's a lot of trial and error. I've ugh, I've made some ugly stuff, uh, <laughs> and it always takes longer than you think it's going to take.
0: So what's next for Whitney? I mean, I feel like you've been ahead of the game a lot of times, and you've done things with a lot of style when you did them. Um, what are you thinking about next, or is there a next, or is this too much stuff already? I mean, what's going on? I
1: know. I think I think the next move is to simplify the life that I lead, uh, and focus mainly on bottle stock and, and also venturing into the world of on-camera stuff. So what does that mean? Either I'd, I'd love to produce content, maybe have my own YouTube channel or something along those lines. And not only... You know star in in some sort of wine and food or travel related show but also produce that show and also produce other content for for other people that I find talented and but I mean who knows but I definitely think that's that's the direction all my all the different my interests and leading up to this point in my my career and my background in theater and acting I'd like to just smush them together now my the the life that I've had in wine for you know the past several years and then um, and my interest in performing I'd like to kind of figure out how to marry those together
0: but there's also an interest in fashion and I feel like that's often shared f- with other young women sommeliers that I know fashion yeah they're, yeah they're usually like oh I'm really into these vintage Avedon photos and I'm really into yeah. this wine and they're, they're, wine they wine people are know.
1: are stylish and cultured and, and into art. And I mean, wine is art. And so I find that not even just women, but I mean, all of us mostly come from different backgrounds in the arts that I've found either whether or not they're musicians or writers or um, actors. And I mean, there's exceptions to the rule, of course, but yeah, maybe we're all, I guess we're all pretty fashionable. I don't know.
0: Do you feel like are the we? wine industry underserves a, a part of the people who work in it? Is there a demographic that just isn't getting their needs met, whether that be from the jobs that are offered to them or the ways that they're offered to express what they're up to?
1: You're saying for people in the wine industry mm-hmm. are there, that are being underserved? I mean, I just wish there were more positions in wine. You know, I wish more restaurants would devote money and to a wine professional and building a great wine list and wine presence at their restaurant. There's just aren't enough, there just aren't enough jobs uh, in any major market and you know, it's tough. So once you land something, you kind of, you don't want to give it up. And yeah, I think most restaurateurs and, and, and restaurant owners, they think, Oh, we'll just slap together a wine list. It'll sell itself. But you know, let's put a little bit more thought and effort into it. You know? It's worth it.
0: Whitney Adams, she's put a lot of thought, a lot of effort into a lot of different projects and they're worth your time to check out. Whitney Adams of bottlestockshop.com. Thank you for being here today. Thank
1: you so much. It's my pleasure. Great to see you. Bye.
0: All Drink to That is hosted and produced by myself, Levy Dalton. Aaron Skella has contributed original pieces. Editorial assistance has been provided by Bill Kimsey. The show music was performed and composed by Rob Moose